Today is also a fun day because this is what we call Serve Sunday. Uh, and so we are unapologetically talking about serving today. And if you're like me, serving is a, is a funny thing because it makes you think of, well, serving makes people think of a lot of different things. When you think of service, some of you think of your car getting taken care of. Some of you think of an amazing restaurant experience that you had. Amy and I just had our 10-year anniversary yes, this past week. And unbeknownst to me, the server was bringing out champagne and dessert. We didn't ask for it, and they just, they just brought it to us. And I was really impressed with the level of service. Some of you are also, you know exactly where I'm going with this. You remember the restaurant experience with terrible service. Anybody have one of those moments? Where you, oh, you remember it. Amy's father, my father-in-law, I'll never forget him describing finding glass in a, in a salad that he had ordered. I think it was a salad, something like that. He found glass in his meal. They send it back, and they still charge him for it. And I thought to myself, this is just, it's terrible. <laughs> terrible service. But you remember those moments. Some of you, you think of, you know, you, you think of a servant. You think of slavery. You think of servant quarters. You think of the restaurant experience. You think of a job that you have. Everybody has something different in their mind when we think of service. But today, on Serve Sunday, we're going to drill down deep into what Scripture actually has to say about what it means to be a servant. Because in this church and where God is taking us, we want to leave behind all the things that, that we're holding on to that define us, that we just have our, our little thing, our little favorite chair that we like to sit in, you know, all the comforts that you get in your church that you get used to. Well, the series that we're in right now is called We Can't Stay Here. And the reality is that God is taking our church and he's taking you specifically to new places. And that means in this particular message, there are things we're leaving behind in order to become the servant that God has called us to be. With me this morning? Let's pray and we are going to get into it. Father, thank you that we, we want to look at, at what it means to be a servant God, we can look no further than you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And we ask that you'd speak to us this morning through scripture. Help us to understand. Help us to be more like you. Amen. All right. Let's do this. Turn in your Bible, if you have one, to Galatians 5, 13. In fact, you don't even have to, you don't have to even read it. Uh, I'm going to just give you the, the, the paraphrase version of it. Basically, Paul, the writer of two-thirds of the New Testament, says, hey, through love, you should... That's your cue. Serve one another. Through love, you should serve one another. First Peter 4.10. Peter, the man who walked on water. Jesus' right-hand guy. He says, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Serving is important. And I am just scratching the surface right now of 
what scripture has to say about what it means to serve or what it looks like. But Amy and I had the pleasure of going to Universal Studios when we lived in Orlando, Florida. Uh, if you've ever been to Universal or Disney World, it is an amazing experience. You will also spend $9 billion on food alone. You want an ice cream? That'll be $23. Great. And it just costs a lot of money. And so we had the whole family. The whole family came in town. Amy's parents came in town. The, the brother and sister came in town. Their kids came in town. We got, I think, just about everybody into the park for free. That was a major hookup. And then it came time to eat lunch. And regardless of your views on Harry Potter, there's a section of the park that is devoted to Harry Potter. We happened to be in it at that part of time and decided to eat lunch in the Harry Potter part of Universal Studios. And so we went to the restaurant. And it's a nice restaurant. And it's not cheap. And something happens, I can't even remember, but somebody's order isn't right. And when you've been out in the sun and you're wrangling kids, you are really frustrated by things like that. Not necessarily cussing mad, but you're getting right there to it. And before we had gotten too much further than our table, the owner of the restaurant appears with more servers than I can count behind him. And they are bringing every dish that they can find in their kitchen and just bringing it to our table. Every dessert, the drinks, the meals, the sides. Our table was covered in food. And of course, I, I was, you know, it's a miracle. <laughs> Jesus, you're alive. Because this, the amount of food that was brought to us was probably two, $300 worth of food at an amusement park. And I, I'm telling you this because I remember so vividly the, the, the out-of-way experience that the server and the owner of this restaurant created for us. And it left an impressionable, uh, it left an impression on my heart and my experience. And if I go back to Universal Studios, you need to know where I'm going to eat. Right there. And then I might accidentally have something wrong with my meal again. <laughs> what happened? Yes. Serving makes a difference. How you serve makes a difference. My father passed away in 2004, over 10 years ago. And I will never forget, in Nashville, if you're familiar with Dave Ramsey, but Dave Ramsey's headquarters are in Nashville, Tennessee. And we have a lot of friends from church and acquaintances from church that, that went there. And I was visiting one, grabbing lunch with him that day or coffee. And all of a sudden, someone that I barely knew from our church that happened to work there at Dave Ramsey just walked over to me with an envelope. And he said that I had heard, heard what happened to your family and your dad. I was getting ready to relocate home to help my mom for a couple months, and he hands me this envelope, and in it is $1,000. His name is Greg Billingham. Greg, if you're by chance listening to this podcast, thank you again. I hardly knew him. I barely knew the guy. And he hands me an envelope with $1,000 and says, go take care of your mom. Funerals are expensive. Here's a little bit of help. And you need to understand, I've never forgotten that moment. I never forgot his name. I haven't forgotten the parking lot. I haven't forgotten the time of day that it happened. Because when you serve like Jesus, it makes a difference in the people around you.
with me this morning. We're going to keep going. Because we see stories in Scripture that really bring this to light. And Jesus has something to say, oh, just a little something, to say about servanthood. It's Matthew 20, 26 through 28. And before you put it on the screen, let me help you with the context here. James and John, they're brothers. They're disciples of Jesus. They've been traveling with them and walking with them and performing ministry with them. Well, their mom had joined the bandwagon. Nothing like mom to get in on things. And mom goes to Jesus and says, hey, I got a little something, something that I'd like you to do. Can you make James sit on this side of your throne and John on the other side of your throne so that when you come into full power that they would reign with you? Now, all the other disciples were angry about that. No surprise. Jesus has the opportunity to play favorites in this moment. He's got the opportunity to to deputize his left hand and right hand man. And yet he flips the script and he he tells James, John, their mother, and all of the disciples, he redefines what it actually means to lead. He says, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. It's weird to think about, isn't it? That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he is fully God. Imagine God sitting down in a chair next to you right now. Imagine the fullness of his glory, the fullness of his perfection, the fullness of him. Everything inside of you would be terrified at his glory. You'd probably bow down, you'd cry, you'd repent, you'd run in fear. You would, it would be God's fullness. And yet here he is and he says to him, to, to all the disciples, hey, guess what? In all of my greatness, in all of my glory, in all of my fullness, I didn't come here that you'd serve me. I came here to serve you. Flips the script. And the invitation is for all of us to be like Jesus. That we would leave behind our devotion to self. The religion of self. And truly pick up what it means to be a servant. It can be hard. Because it means you get to check at the door. Your attitudes and your feelings and your emotions. And you get to truly serve. Regardless of where you are, how you feel, you are putting other people before yourself. If I'm honest, I don't always like to serve. I don't like to serve in my own home half the time. There are dishes on the, you know, on the sink. Who's going to do them? And everyone just kind of dodges it as fast as possible because no one wants to do the heavy lifting of being a servant. And yet that is exactly what God has called us to. And this morning on Serve Sunday, guess what I'm calling you to? I'm calling you to be a servant. I'm calling you to serve more. 
I'm not calling you to serve less because that isn't the charge that God has on us. Some of you are thinking, oh my gosh, how could I serve anymore? In your heart. It's a position of your heart that you would serve, that you would be a servant. Some of you after service, we're going to have pizza. We're going to have lunch together. Yeah, that's right. No, no charge to you. We're going to talk about teams that you can be on. And some of you need to be doing more. Some of you need to serve more. Some of you need to serve over here. Some of you need to sacrifice here. Some of you need to simply learn what it means to serve with the right heart and right attitude. I do. God has to deal with me on that. Because left to our own devices, every single one of us would choose to be served rather than to do the serving. Oh, when I got into ministry, here's a little fun fact for you. A lot of the people that I had seen in ministry had humongous homes, huge. But they had made wealth unbeknownst to me outside of ministry and the church. They'd come from different families of wealth or, you know, had inherited this or that. Well, I didn't know any of the details of that. And so I thought, oh, yeah, baby, I'm going into ministry and I'm going to be jet set. (laughs) It's a different story. I remember getting coffees for people and running this and running that. And I thought to myself, man, when I'm a pastor, I'm going to have all these people doing all these kinds of things for me. I'm not going to cut my grass anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. If I need a coffee, I'm going to snap my fingers. It's going to appear. This is going to be amazing. Fact. That's what I thought. Here's the real fact. If you're going to answer the call, not just to ministry or vocational ministry, but the call to follow Jesus then you are answering the call to lay it all down and serve other people, just like Jesus did. If you want to grow this year, then the Gospels make it clear. Leave behind yourself. All things me and move forward with a heart to serve the men and women around you. Here's a story in the New Testament. It's a guy named Stephen. And you might be familiar with the story. If you're not, no worries. I'm going to bring you up to speed on it. It's Acts chapter 6, the first five verses. The early church has just started. And in those days when the number of disciples were increasing... The Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews. I know this gets a little wordy here, but just bear with me. Because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 apostles gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. In order for us to serve in this capacity. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. And this proposal pleased the whole group. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. 
and also a bunch of other guys. <laughs> Six of them. None of them have the notoriety of Stephen, so we're going to stick with my man here. The church has just started, and guess what? The church has problems. Here's a little fun fact for you. If you're looking for a church this morning that is perfect, don't ever, don't ever go to that church because you will ruin that church. <laughs> there is no perfect church. And in, I mean, we're talking months, weeks after the church has started, they're running into their first problem. What do we do here? There's people being overlooked. There are people who, the widows aren't getting the food that they need. There's favoritism taking place of all things. Can you believe this? And so the 12, they get their heads together and they say, man, what, what do we do? We need to be devoted to preaching and to prayer. Let's find a couple guys and put them over this to serve in this capacity. And the prerequisites are that they'd preach really well. That they'd be able to lead the band amazingly well. That they could maybe go on some mission trips. That they'd know how to lay hands on the sick. That they'd be able to do all the things that we equate with ministering to people on a stage like this. None of those things. They didn't consider that. They didn't think about that. They didn't pray about that. They were looking for two things. A guy that was full of the Spirit and someone that had some wisdom. And they handed them things to do. And here's Stephen. One of the biggest names in the New Testament in the early church. And you know what he did? He oversaw the food ministry. He was helping hand out food. He was helping oversee some volunteers. He was probably encouraging the volunteers. He's probably helping people, you know, get the systems right and manage all this and that because that is also part of church and ministry and outreach is that what we would do, we would do with excellence. Now, Here's my question for you. If the apostles were looking for men and women full of the Spirit, what on this earth does it mean to be full of the Spirit? If that's the prereq, Anybody ever applied for a job before? Or you're looking at a job description and you're getting geeked about the job description and you get to the bottom and the prerequisites are things that you don't have. And you're disappointed or you're frustrated or you're thinking to yourself, how can I get two years of experience unless somebody gives me two years of experience? Ah, yes. So here we have God laying out some prereqs and he's saying we got two things here. Some wisdom and that they'd be full of the spirit. What does that mean? I'm going to show you. If you're thinking, man, Andy was really thirsty this morning. I'm going to help you. I'm going to illustrate this in just one second. Because to be filled with the spirit the Spirit bears fruit. And Galatians 5.22 says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And so when we're talking about someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit, 
We're not talking about people that speak in tongues or prophesy or have all these ministry gifts. Although, side note, pray for that. It would be amazing. Let God do that in you. But that's not the text here. Be full of the Holy Spirit. And if you've grown up in church, you kind of have the, the glass illustration where you think of, you know, a little basin of water and you're dipping it in and you're full. And maybe the water's kind of overflowing on the side and we talk about the cup that overflows. And we talk about, you know, you just, just you know, keep filling it up until it finally overflows over the top. And that's what ministry looks like and evangelism looks like. But that's not the text here. That's not what it means to be full of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it works. You can say that. But it's actually much more like this. The word here is called peru, and it means to permeate. That, that the Holy Spirit would be so active in your life, it'd be so apparent in your life that you would literally be bubbling up everywhere with it. That there would be just permeation happening throughout your entire life. It's not the glass that gets dunked into the, into the basin. It's that every thought, emotion, every feeling would be surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And that the Holy Spirit and the aroma of Christ would be fizzing and bubbling and permeating every single thing that you do. You'd be permeating it. The aroma of Christ would be on everything, who you are. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That you've been that transformed and that changed. How many of you know people that call themselves Christians but don't live like one? That's a problem in Jesus' kingdom. Most of us talk about purpose. We talk about wanting to be used by God. We, we talk about wanting the right job and feeling maximized. And we are a culture and a generation that loves to have our things met and my personal destiny. And Jesus makes it really clear when it comes to leadership. He says, in my paraphrase, if you want to be great, if you want to experience greatness, you have to learn to serve. In other words, if serving is beneath you, leadership will always be beyond you. You will never be in a position where you're truly leading the way Jesus has invited you to lead until you grasp what it really means to serve and to be full of the Holy Spirit, which means you have surrendered your will and your emotions to him and love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are just bubbling up in your life. I need more of that. There are some things on that list, so to speak. I mean, when I looked at 2016, I said to myself, I need to grow. I need more of the, of the Holy Spirit. I need more gentleness. I need more peace. God, I need to grow in kindness. God, would your Holy Spirit produce that in my life? I want the aroma, the, the bubbling, the permeation of who God is in every single thing that I do and that I think 
and that I act. Now, if you're sitting here and thinking, good Lord, well, I'm never going to be qualified to do anything. Well, that isn't quite true either. Because more than the list of things, God, in reference even to last week's message, you can listen online if you missed it. He's looking for a heart that would be humble to him, that would be soft and usable, that he can work these things into your life. Here's what I love about Stephen. Here's a guy who is in charge of the door team. Here's a guy that's helping break down curtains or set them up. He's overseeing the the ministry to the homeless. Maybe he's not even overseeing. Maybe he's just volunteering. We don't know what he actually is doing. We just know he's helping out with the food. Think of all the things that we do in a church. Think of all the places we have where people are serving and trying to make a difference on the worship team. With the pipe and drape and the setup and the breakdown. With doors that are being opened and guests that are being greeted. And the guy that's walking out to cars with umbrellas. And people that are at movie nights inviting people to church. And those who are buying things for those who are homeless. There's lots of things that are happening. And in the day-to-day servanthood of following Jesus, this is what happened. Acts 6, 6 through 8. It says, the apostles, they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. I love that. By the way, you'll hear a little bit of this next week. As a pastor, it's not my job to do everything at all. In fact, it's the opposite. It's to equip you to do it, to help you be great at it, to help you function and feel maximized. And you know what will happen? The word of God will spread. The amount of disciples will increase. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. What? How does that even make sense? He's not an apostle. He hasn't been trained. He hasn't been released to be the the Holy Spirit miracle worker. That's not his gifting. He was put in charge of helping pass out food to people who need it. And yet, here he is, such a servant, so full of the Holy Spirit, that God begins to do miracles and signs and wonders through him. And the guy's just serving. That's all he's doing. He's doing it faithfully. He's doing it unto the Lord. And God uses him to do extraordinary things. I want you to hear this with lots of love. You do not need a stage for God to use you. You need a heart to serve. You don't need a stage to make a difference in someone's life. You need a heart to serve. You do not need a stage to make disciples. That is an absolute Christian fallacy. 
You need a heart to serve. That's what you need. To be full of the Holy Spirit. To be full of God's heart to serve. And I'm using these terms interchangeably a little bit here. Because love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Most of those are demonstrated in the context of serving one another. When I'm in my house by myself, you know what I don't have to have? Patience. I, I can do what I want when I want. I want to watch that show? It's on. There's no tearing in my soul of, oh, you'd like to watch something different? Oh, okay. No, there's no surrendering of anything. There's no frustration with peace by myself. I create the peace that I want, but all of a sudden, you put more people in the equation, and we're called to serve one another. How do we do it with love? With joy. Serving can be tough, and you have to choose joy. Not everyone will treat you right. Not everyone will smile back. Not everyone will give you the high five or the hug, but we choose joy. Peace and patience. Oh, patience. Kindness to be good. Self-control. I probably should add that to my list as well for 2016. (laughs) To be full of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I'm asking of you to think about this year. To think about today. We're going to wrap here in a little bit. And once we do, you can be dismissed to get your kids. And we're going to invite everyone right back here for lunch. And then we're going to have some training on how to serve locally in our church. But make no mistake that while we're training you in this moment, that shouldn't be something that you shut down after you leave church. This is something that we do everywhere. To be full of the spirit and wisdom everywhere. To serve the men and women around you. It might be that you need to pull a Greg Billingham and serve somebody and give them some money. Maybe you're you're the restaurant guy who needs to bring some food to somebody who had a bad experience. Maybe you're serving someone by smiling when they're being a jerk to you. Maybe you're going the extra mile to help somebody in need. What if... Just imagine, what if you were so committed to the Holy Spirit transforming everything in your life that you would be full of the Holy Spirit in your mind, in your thoughts, in your actions, in your heart? And then you proceeded to serve people out of that. She opened the door for a guest to walk in. What if you did it in the power and grace of the Holy Spirit? What if as you were were walking somebody to the guest services table, you did so in the fullness of God's grace and his power? What if you were putting up pipe and drape and you did it with the fruit of the Holy Spirit alive and active in your life with joy 
and grace and kindness and goodness as you were putting that thing up and locking it in place? What if you opened your home for a life group and you did it in the fullness of God's power and grace? Ordinary, simple things. Yet done unto the Lord, do you think God might do something extraordinary through you? I think he would. Do you think you could be the guy that's opening doors and yet just the the grace and power of the Holy Spirit is just moving so powerfully in you? You know what I mean when you have an experience with someone like that. You're You're just drawn to that person. What is it about that guy, that girl, that person? There's something about them. Could God do a miracle through your life? Could you see signs and wonders as you served faithfully in God's grace and power? I don't think that you can. I think that you will. I believe that we will. But it means we have to leave behind what we, our flesh wants and move into where God is calling us to be, to be men and women with the heart of a servant.